If you have your Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 this morning, Philippians chapter 4. If you've been with us for these studies, or at least in the last few weeks, in Philippians 4.1, Paul says, and you'll hear this uh, from a few weeks ago, Paul says in Philippians 4.1, to stand firm in the Lord. In verses 2 and 3, last week we saw the situation between two women who were at risk of not standing firm in the Lord because they were locked in some sort of conflict or dispute which was causing a problem. And obviously, it's uh, according to the Scriptures here, from what we can see in the context, the church knew about the problem. It happened to be two women. I said it last week. It could have just as easily been two men, any two people in the church. Uh, so in verses 2 and 3, we saw Paul's practical instruction to them for standing firm in your faith in Christ. And it was this, devote yourself to living in harmony with your brothers and sisters in Christ. This was the instruction that he was giving them and he was calling not only these two ladies to live in harmony in Christ, but to the church to help them. And they were learning that they should also be living in harmony with their brothers and sisters in Christ. Today we arrive at verse 4, and I want you to see here a second practical way of standing fast, standing firm in the Lord, standing firm in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see it in this, uh, it's just a short verse, it's a a verse we're very familiar with, but look at verse 4, it just simply says, as Paul writes to these Philippian believers, and as the Holy Spirit moved him to write this so that we would have it, Rejoice in the Lord always, says Philippians 4.4. Rejoice. Are you seeing it there? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's a short but powerful verse. And considering this comes right after the correction delivered to Yodia and Syntyche, these two women who were not getting along, Considering that this comes right after them, uh, after this instruction to them, this challenge to them to to agree in the Lord, to get along in in the Lord, to, to go back to their foundation in the Lord Jesus Christ and their common bond in Christ to realize that they were sisters in Christ. This is a pointer to the fact that if they had been rejoicing in the Lord always, they likely would not have been at odds with each other, or at least not for very long. Have you ever noticed that? You get sideways, and, and I'm talking to people who have spouses right now, you think, and, and if you don't have a spouse, you can, you can kind of understand. I think you should be able to understand. You get sideways with your spouse about something, and you walk away and you spend some time alone, and then you start thinking about how stupid the argument was, and you think, that was really stupid. And you come back, and you say, I'm really sorry for that. That's the way it should be. And it shouldn't take a crazy long time for that to happen. And I think that's what we see pointed to here in a very real way in the context here, if these two women had been rejoicing in the Lord always, they might have been at odds for a period of time, but I don't think it would have been a really long time. 
Because it's really hard to rejoice in the Lord when you're not getting along with those people that are closest to you. When you're not getting along with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're likely very familiar with verse 4. And you think, how in the world are you going to preach a sermon on this one little verse? (laughs) Just watch. (laughs) Because there's a risk of being too familiar with this. I think that's one risk. It's just, we're so familiar with this verse, right? You get to this and you go, okay, yeah, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Okay, what's next? Stop. (laughs) Stop. And by the way, when you're smiling, your singing sounds better. (laughs) But it's possible to be so familiar with this verse that we just shoot right past it. You've probably heard it quoted a lot. You've probably heard it preached on a lot. But that's okay. It's good to be reminded of these truths. We need these truths. And if you don't need these truths, just listen while I preach to myself this morning. You might also hear someone say, Rejoice in the Lord always. How do you do that? And is that really really what this means? Or you might say, well, well, sure, sure, easy to rejoice in the Lord always when things are going well, like for everybody else but me, which is not true, by the way. In fact, if we're careful to think about this verse in its context, it should have deep implications for us for our standing firm in the Lord. If you learn, as the Bible instructs you, to rejoice in the Lord always. You will be well on your way to standing firm in all that you will encounter in life. And I mean all that you will encounter in life. This is also not new territory for Paul. If you've been with us through these studies in Philippians, or if you've read the book, or if you've been through a a series of sermons in Philippians before, you know this book is all about joy in the Lord. So this is not a new theme for Paul. This is not a new idea he's introducing. This topic of joy is something Paul keeps bringing us back to. In Philippians 1.4, Paul says, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. So he prayed with gratitude to God for these Philippian believers and with joy for these believers. He was grateful to God for these particular believers to whom he's writing. So he prayed and he thanked God and he did so with joy. And then in verse 25 of chapter 1, he tells them how he longs for his ministry to them to be for their joy. So he has joy, but he also wants them to receive joy because he's ministering to meet their needs spiritually. Verse 25 of chapter 1, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So we're to stand firm in our faith. We're also to have joy in our faith. And Paul was all about helping the Philippian believers see that. The Holy Spirit's been all about helping us see this because this is for us today. And then in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2, he says that he longs for their obedience to God, and that would be 
for his joy. Also, it's for their joy that they be obedient to God. But listen to chapter 2, verse 2. Complete my joy, he says, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Well, that sounds like the instruction that we hear in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4, where he was speaking to Yodia and Syntyche and to the church about helping them learn to get along. But why? Why so much joy? Because there is joy when you're trusting completely in God, when you're taking his word personally and you are taking steps daily to obey. There is joy in your faith. And this joy will help you in your faith, standing firm in your faith, standing firm in the Lord. And then, it was, and then as we heard in chapter 4, uh, verse 1, that Paul reminds these believers that their growth in Christ will be like a reward for him in heaven, and it will lead to an eternal celebration for he, he and they. Listen to chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, his present joy and his future celebration. We said when we looked at this, my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So joy is the repeating theme here in Philippians. And you've possibly heard me say it before that believers in Jesus Christ ought to be the most joyful people on earth. And I agree that if we are singing from the bottom of our hearts, a smile ought to creep across our face as we think about the truths that we sing. And when we read the Bible and we see the truths that apply to us because our faith is in Christ, a smile ought to creep across our face. A joy in our heart ought to well up that we can't stop because we have Christ and Christ has us. He is keeping us. So when we arrive at Philippians 4.4, 4, because joy is the repeating theme here in Philippians, we hear Paul giving believers a command to rejoice in the Lord always. And he repeats it. We know this is important. You knew it was important when your mother repeated something. Well, it's also important when the Bible repeats something. I hope your mother didn't have to repeat herself too much. <laughs> God's word is good. When you see something repeated... I hope you pay attention to all of God's word, but when you see something repeated, ooh, you better be alert. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So I want to center our study around answering some questions, three questions, because sometimes you might come to this passage and go, how, how do you do this? I find it hard to rejoice in the Lord always. Or let's just say, I find it hard to rejoice always. But we cannot leave out that phrase, rejoice in the Lord. We're going to get to that. So let's answer some questions. And I want to answer three questions uh, to kind of guide us through this study this morning. And I want you to think carefully about these and I've got some answers for you. Why is the first question. Why should we rejoice in the Lord always? Well, and first, I think this is probably so uh, part, one of the most important things to think about. The question is, why rejoice in the Lord always? First, we should rejoice in the Lord always because 
This is for the believer's joy. Rejoicing in the Lord will lead to your joy in the Lord. It will lead to you being aware of all that is yours in Christ and lead to your joy. God is good. He is gracious. God is loving. He is a loving Heavenly Father, and as such, He gives us a command that in keeping it leads to our joy. When we learn to rejoice in the Lord always, we'll find that what follows is a joyful heart. Let me just note right here that the command to rejoice in the Lord always is a command for believers in Jesus Christ. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you've been given the gift, the gift of forgiveness. You have not earned it. You cannot and you never will. It's a gift. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You have been given the gift of the internal presence of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, whose desire is to help you with the word of truth to live for Christ, to be encouraged when you need encouragement, to strengthen you for obedience when you're tempted. You have the Holy Spirit if you're God's child. And you have God's word to guide you. You have God's church to to help you, to fellowship with you, and to help you grow in Christ's likeness. Do you need a reason for rejoicing in the Lord always? This is it. It'll lead to your joy. And here's a reason. We hear it in Romans 8.1. It says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you can take that truth personally because your faith is in Jesus Christ and in Him alone because you've repented of your sins and you want to turn from those sins, then you can be thankful that there is therefore now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. There's a reason to rejoice always. Now in some things that are required of us, some things that are required of us in this life, we, we don't always find a reason to rejoice, do we? We don't always find cause for joy. But if your life has been secured in Christ, this should be the most meaningful truth to you, that you have been forgiven your sins, you've been given the gift of salvation, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life through Jesus Christ. This should overwhelm anything that you say, I find it hard to be joyful. I find it hard to rejoice. This should give you reason to rejoice always. Another reason for rejoicing in the Lord is that our rejoicing points to the joy giver. You do not make your own joy. If you try to, you can try to. The world around us is trying really hard to make, create their own joy. You can try to do that. We're guilty of that sometimes. We think, I need that. I want this. If I could have this job or this, uh, this thing or this status or, or this accomplishment, I will know joy. Or we might say, I'll be happy. The world's trying hard to do that. Believers need to be corrected in their thinking to realize that if we have our priorities fixed on 
the giver of joy, he will not be slack in giving us the joy he wants us to have. And when we have joy, we point to the joy giver with our lives. That's a reason for rejoicing in the Lord. It's for the sake of your witness, your testimony before the watching world. You see, true joy that comes from our ongoing fellowship with the Lord will testify to others of the Lord Jesus Christ that God lives in you. The presence of joy in your life is a strong indicator. It reflects to others the presence of the Lord in your life. This points others to God. I appreciate what the preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote when he pointed to this, when he wrote these words about this passage. He says, There are many more flies caught with honey than with vinegar, and there are many more sinners brought to Christ by happy Christians than by doleful Christians. So he says, If you cannot speak the gospel, live the gospel by your cheerfulness. For what is the gospel? Glad tidings of great joy. And you who believe it must show by its effect upon you that it is glad tidings of great joy to you. I do believe that a man of God, under trial and difficulty and affliction, bearing up and patiently submitting with holy acquiescence and still rejoicing in God, is a real preacher of the gospel preaching with an eloquence which is mightier than words can ever be and which will find its secret and silent way into the hearts of those who might have resisted other arguments. And so he says about the passage before us in Philippians 4.4, Oh, do then listen to the text, for it is a command from God, rejoice in the Lord always. Your joy, your rejoicing points to the giver of joy, points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not overlook and do not discredit how important this is to our faithfulness to God in this community in which we live. This points us to a third reason to rejoice in the Lord always. Joy is contagious. Joy is contagious. How many times have you noticed somebody walks up to you smiling? Shame on you if you don't smile. I, I, you probably can't keep yourself from smiling. If somebody's truly joyful and they, and they approach you smiling, you likely are going to return a smile that, that comes naturally. When you rejoice in the Lord always, you not only show unbelievers that God lives in you, but you also encourage and set a godly example to other believers. You set an example and you encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. You've noticed, haven't you, when you're around cheerful, joyful people, people who are rejoicing in the Lord, joy just kind of creeps up on you, doesn't it? And you find yourself more joyful. So rejoice in the Lord always. Consider it an opportunity to be an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ. To strengthen them in their faith as they see God 
doing his work in your life and you rejoicing in the Lord, you encourage them to also rejoice in the Lord always. Here's a fourth reason to rejoice in the Lord always. It's, it's, uh, I could have led with this one, but it's pretty obvious. It's commanded. <laughs> you may be thinking that joy is a result of positive circumstances. This is not what we're talking about. This is not what the Scriptures is talking about. The, the Scriptures are not talking about having joy as a result of positive circumstances because your circumstances won't always be positive. But the Scriptures do say to rejoice in the Lord always. You may think that rejoicing is only an emotion. When the emotion comes, then I'll rejoice. Right now I'm having a hard time having the emotion. I want it to come and I want to have rejoicing, but I've got to wait for the emotion. No, you don't. Let's admit this. There are times when you just don't feel like rejoicing. But what the scriptures are talking about here is not talking, it's not talking about a feeling. We're talking about being obedient to God because he is the giver of joy. He is the giver of all good things. He is the giver of forgiveness of sins and eternal life that we have reason to rejoice when no one else does. When Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say rejoice, it's not a suggestion. This is a command from the Bible. The Word of God is speaking to us here, challenging the way that we live in this world because if we're not careful, we'll live the way of the world. And the way of the world is certainly not rejoicing in the Lord always. So if we're going to learn to stand firm in the Lord, then we must also learn that rejoicing in the Lord always is not something that's based on our present circumstances. Rejoicing in the Lord is based on the fact that God is always good. He is always also in control. You need to have your theology strengthened in this truth, that God is in control. Read the Bible. You'll note that this is true again and again. We learn from God's Word that God is in control. If you understand that God is in control, you can face difficulties and hardship in life and still rejoice in the Lord always. 2 Samuel 22 and verse 31 puts that truth like this, that God is in control. This God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. So this is not and I'll do it when I feel like it kind of thing. This is an attitude that God expects all of His children to cultivate and grow as they learn to trust Him. And I do mean cultivate and grow. It may not come quickly. It may not come in full measure. But we do need to learn to rejoice in the Lord always as we learn to trust Him and become confident. Yes, God is in control in this situation. I can rejoice in that. I can rejoice in the Lord always. Here's the way Psalm 33.1 says it. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. That's talking about people who are believers. Shout for joy in the Lord. So rejoicing in the Lord is a command. And God's commands are always good for us. Now, let's answer question number two. 
if rejoicing in the Lord always isn't based on present good circumstances, then for what should we rejoice? Now, the Holy Spirit teaches us in 1 Corinthians 10.31 that for believers, whatever you do, you are to do all to the glory of God. Are you familiar with that passage? Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We also learn from the Bible that we shouldn't rejoice when others suffer or sin or fail. Romans 12.15 says it this way, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We ought not celebrate either the things that the world does that are detestable to God. So we don't rejoice over those kinds of things. There should be no rejoicing over things that go badly for other people. If our rejoicing doesn't glorify God and encourage other believers and point unbelievers to Christ, then it's the wrong kind of rejoicing. So here's how we're to rejoice in the Lord always. Our rejoicing should focus on God. Your rejoicing in the Lord always should focus on God. Often, uh, when we have a time, uh, we'd, we'll do this on Sunday evenings occasionally, sometimes on Wednesday evenings, I'll say, how about you thank God for something? And start out by saying, I thank God for, or I praise God for. I say that intentionally because it's helpful for us to remember our praising, our rejoicing should be given to God. We should glorify God. It's certainly fine to be thankful for a person in your life or something that person has done, but you ought to thank God for that person and for that thing that they have done. God should get the glory in all of our rejoicing and the more we know about the Lord, the more we understand about Him, the deeper our fellowship with Him will be. The more we know Him, the more we are overwhelmed by the truths of God's Word that tell us about God and His goodness and His sovereignty, the more we'll be able to rejoice in the Lord, the more He will get the glory as we rejoice. In fact, the reason we find it hard to rejoice in the Lord at times is because we don't really know Him as well as we should. We aren't truly trusting in Him as we should because we don't know Him as we should. And how do you know the Lord? How do you learn to trust the Lord? You need His Word. You need the Bible. You need the Bible every day. You cannot afford to wait for Sunday for someone to preach and teach to you God's Word. It's good that you do that. It's good that you come and hear and believe in the preaching of the good news of the Gospel, but you desperately need the, the Word in you the other six days of the week. So to learn and know the Lord, to trust the Lord, you need His Word. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You hear that? That's rejoicing in the Lord always. So if we're going to learn to rejoice in the Lord always, only being familiar with the Bible 
Only a passing familiarity with the Bible is not enough. Just knowing a few things about the Bible will not help you stand firm in the Lord. To know God as you need to know Him, you must feed your heart and mind with the Word of God. And just a side note here, as we wrapped up our series last Sunday evening on rest as seen in the book of Isaiah, the rest that all believers in Christ have, tonight we come back. And I want to come back to this thought because I would love to go for another hour on this thought. But if you'll come back tonight, I'll try not to go an hour, but, um, but I want to come back to this thought because you need the Bible. And I'm going to begin tonight to give you seven reasons why you need to read the Bible. And you might think, well, I know why I need to read the Bible, but let me tell you why, okay? So come back and, and hear from God's Word seven reasons you need to hear the Bible. We need to be convinced of this. Are you convinced that you need the Bible? Are you going to take God's Word home with you this week and then open it every day? When you know God, by knowing His Word, and you take steps to obey His Word, that's part of what it means to read the Bible. You can't just read the Bible. You, t- you take His Word and you say, God, this is Your Word. Help me obey. You surrender. And when you know His Word and you take steps to obey His Word, then you can properly rejoice in His provision, in His grace, in His mercy, in His faithfulness, in His goodness, in His love. When you know God from His Word, then you can rejoice that He is in control. You can rejoice that His discipline in your life is for your good. You can rejoice that He comforts you and helps you. You can rejoice in the salvation that He has given you in Christ. And you can rejoice that He has promised to never leave you or forsake you. And there's so much more in God's Word for you to rejoice over if you just knew it. If you were just saturating your heart and mind with the truth of God's Word so that when you needed to rejoice, God would bring back the Holy Spirit working you, would bring back the Word to help you rejoice in the Lord always. Now here's question number three. When? When should we we rejoice? And you say, that's obvious. It says always. It seems so obvious, doesn't it? Since that's what Paul says here. Here's how I want you to understand this. To rejoice in the Lord always means that you can do this even when you think there's nothing for which to rejoice in the Lord. You can do this even when you think, when you're tempted to think, I've got nothing to rejoice over. Since rejoicing in the Lord is not based on a feeling, it's not based on your present emotions or your present good circumstances, but it's based on what you know about God and what you have in Christ that is yours in Christ if you're trusting in Him. You can learn to rejoice in the Lord always. Yes, there will be times when you feel like you have no reason on earth to rejoice. The kids are sick. The car is broken down. Bills are due. Boss is mean. Your health is poor. You've lost someone you love. Marriage difficulties. Hopefully not all those at the same time. Yet, Paul is telling us that even in the midst of difficulties, even if, yes, all of those things come at the same time, 
you can learn to rejoice in the Lord always if you know God, if you know His Word, if your faith is fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and not on anything you have done or think you can do. Paul is telling us that even in the midst of difficulties, there's a reason to rejoice in the Lord always. If you're trusting in Jesus, then you have much for which to rejoice in the Lord always. You can always find a reason in the Bible for rejoicing in the Lord. Your circumstances are not always going to cause you joy. But you can always rejoice in the Lord and have the joy of the Lord as your strength. I want you to note this too. You should also rejoice in the Lord when there is something in which to rejoice. And you say, that sounds strange. It does sound strange, doesn't it? But you should rejoice in the Lord when there is something for having joy over. And here's what I mean. You need to be, re- be certain that your rejoicing is in the Lord. You need to be certain that you're not rejoicing merely in the blessing itself. I thank God for, you fill in the blank, and then you just stop there and you keep rejoicing over the thing that you have, that you were hoping for, you were praying for, and you forget about the one who gave it to you. It's good to rejoice over a blessing from God, but when you rejoice too much in the object of blessing, you run the risk of losing your joy when that object is gone. I just think of my brother telling about I have an older brother, a younger brother, a sister. My older brother um, telling about the time when he was so thankful to God for the two cars that he had that were paid for and in good shape. One was sitting in his driveway. He was sitting, I think, reading a book or something. He heard it crash. And he went out to the driveway and his daughter had come in with the other car and missed the brake and ran into the other good car. And he said later, he says, I was so thankful that I had often remind myself that those are God's cars. They're not mine. I was thankful that I had them, but I was able to just hug my daughter and say, it's okay, it's not a big deal. When some fathers, maybe this one, would have yelled at first. Oh, you fixate on the thing that God blessed you with too much? That, those things are not necessarily going to last on earth. You fixate on the blessing too much and and not on the blesser, the one who gives you the blessing. So rejoice in the Lord always. When things are good, be careful not to rejoice only in the food on the table or only in the good health you enjoy or only in the good friends that you have. Rejoice over those blessings, yes, and absolutely, but be sure to rejoice in the one who has given them to you and he's showing his favor to you in those blessings. Be certain that you're rejoicing more in the Lord than the object in which God's blessed you with. Your, your circumstances are going to change. And I'm not telling you something you don't know, but I'll just remind you, your circumstances change. You need to fix your eyes on God's word. You need to fix your eyes on Christ Your life will have highs and lows, but you will learn through the highs and the lows to rejoice in the Lord always if you will fix your eyes on Christ, if you will fix your eyes on the goodness of God's word that's been given to you. One constant remains 
through the highs and the lows, the Lord. God is constant, and his faithfulness to you, his faithfulness to you is constant. There's a wonderful old hymn called Be Still My Soul. There's a line in it that goes like this. In every change, he faithful will remain. That's the Lord in whom we are always to rejoice. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say with Paul, rejoice. Rejoice. God will always be faithful. He has proved it. He has shown us his steadfast faithfulness by giving his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need something to rejoice over, remember the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has finished for you on the cross. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice.